misunderstood. Yeah. Some say that he's up to no good around the neighborhood. Revolve your information. A lot of my brothers got education. Now check it. You got your Wall Street brother. Your blue collar brother. You're down for whatever chilling on the corner brother. My name is Lalu Davies Yemington, and you're listening to My Brother Podcast. <clears throat> we all stare at those screens on our walls, in our bedrooms, our living rooms. They're called televisions. Television has a long and fascinating history. However, most of us are just perceiving one side of the television industry. It's the on-screen characters, our news reporters, news anchors who bring the news to us. Behind all of that are those who actually uh, make the production all come together. My guest today is Dale Lockett, who is the director of local programming and community marketing for KHOU TV, which is a Tegner owned CBS affiliate in Houston. Dale, thank you so much for being available uh, to visit with me today and share a bit about your story with uh, our audience. Oh, it's my pleasure, Lalu. Thank you so much, brother, for having me. Absolutely, Mandel. We'll just start off with just sharing a bit about your background and just a short synopsis how you arrived to where you are today. Okay, do you want me to start from the from birth to now, or how how? Yeah, how I'll say from, from birth through yeah. to now in a short form. You know, a little bit okay. about. Yeah. So so let's start from the beginning. I was born um, in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, on the Air Force Base, Davis Monthan Air Force Base uh, in Tucson. My dad was in uh, in the military at the time. And, uh, and then uh, not long after I was born, he actually entered into the ministry. Uh, so um, as a um, young Methodist minister, CME minister, uh, we move basically Lalu maybe every two to three years as in uh, my early uh, uh, early stages of my life. I've lived in uh, Columbus, Ohio, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, Dallas, uh, uh, and a number of other stops along the way. So, uh, so I was a bit of a gypsy lifestyle uh, growing up and that served me well after uh, I entered into uh, my career field that I was um, able to adapt to change and and make moves uh, uh, as part of uh, furthering my career. Um, so I I spent most of my formative years in uh, uh, Lufkin, Texas, which is about uh, uh, two hours up the road here from Houston. Uh, uh, that being um, uh, East Texas, uh, so. Uh, go LP. So I'm a, I'm a fighting Lufkin Panther. Uh, after graduating from high school in Lufkin, I went to the University of Houston, uh, where I graduated uh, with honors uh, from the radio and television program there. Uh, I got my first job at, right after uh, graduating uh, at the, at KHO, uh, sorry, not at KHOU, but at KTXH TV, uh, the local independent working in uh, their programming department. So I started, I was so fortunate to uh, have a position 
uh, right after graduation, working in a top 10 market uh, was amazing. That doesn't happen um, that frequently. So I understood I had a great uh, opportunity and made sure I took the most of it. So from there, worked at KTXH for probably three or four years and then had an opportunity to take a position in Miami, Florida at WCIX, which later became WFOR uh, in Miami and worked there for a couple of years in their uh, promotions department and then moved on from that position when an opportunity came uh, became available for me to become a, a producer, a promotion producer uh, for the company at the time, Belo in Seattle, Washington at uh, Cairo TV. Uh, and that was another great experience. So I, I went from one end of the country uh, to, to the other end. I would not recommend, um, that's a tough uh, relocation project. My, sure. my, uh, all of my belongings from Miami were put on a, on a, on a, uh, uh, moving truck, and I think I, I received all of uh, my items maybe uh, two to three weeks later. So there were a few weeks there when I was uh, first moved to Seattle, where I was uh, sleeping on the floor of my uh, my new uh, apartment. Uh, so those were some uh, uh, interesting days, but very exciting time and a very exciting opportunity. Uh, so I worked in in um, Seattle for, for about a, a year. And then I had the opportunity to come full circle and move uh, back home to Houston. And that was my first stint uh, working at KHOU. My former boss, uh, Bud Brown at the time, um, who was uh, my boss in, in Seattle, actually uh, took a position in uh, Houston at uh, KHOU, and then uh, brought me uh, to KHOU after he had been there for for a little bit of time. So, so basically, came full circle uh, after uh, graduating from the University of Houston to come back uh, home and work in what I considered my my hometown at the time. Uh, so, worked at KHOU. Uh, for about a year before an opportunity came up for me to uh, get my first management position uh, at the age of, I think I was around 31 at the time, um, at, at Ken's TV in San Antonio, Texas. So I couldn't uh, pass up that opportunity to uh, further my career. So so moved to San Antonio, uh, this would have been in 1998, uh, was there for about two years before the opportunity uh, uh, became available for me to come back to Houston as the Director of Creative Services uh, at KHOU. Uh, so that was, for me, uh, that still very early in my career, to have the opportunity to, to head up a department uh, as significant as that at KHOU um, uh, was just a, a dream come true. And, 
And now I've been at the station uh, with all of that hopping around early in my career. I've been at the station now. This I'm celebrating my 20th year at KHOU. So I feel very blessed and fortunate uh, uh, to have had the, the career uh, track that I've had and, and to be celebrating such a, a big anniversary with the station. Yeah, and happy anniversary uh, uh, to you. You're living it out. I think you started in 2000, which Y2K was the big scare. Now, <laughs> yeah. 2020, all right? Amen, brother. Amen, Amen. to that. It's, it's well, from, from Tucson, Arizona, through Lufkin, uh, I'm curious, what are some elements about your upbringing, notwithstanding growing up in a military household, that you think uh, really shaped who you are and who you became and what impact did that have along the way in, in uh, on your career journey? Yeah, and I, I share this every time I have an opportunity um, to speak with anyone about my upbringing. I, I just say I, I hit the lottery when it, when it came to parents. My mom and dad um, are just, uh, just amazing people. Uh, my dad, uh, unfortunately passed away in 2011, but the lessons that I learned from him, uh, he was a, a minister who later became the 57th, uh, Bishop of the Christian Methodist Episcopal church, uh, mm -hmm. in the hundred plus years of, of, of our church organization. So I got to see from him, uh, day in and day out, just how to carry myself uh, as a man uh, and also how to carry myself as I uh, got into positions of management, how to carry myself as a leader uh, because he was leading a congregation and seeing how he was able to work with people, to work with various departments at the station, uh, those those lessons uh, I still incorporate to this day, each and every day as I, how to treat people, how to communicate effectively with people uh, and just how to be your authentic self. Uh, so, and then from my mother and my dad, my mother was a, a, an English teacher uh, 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 in her younger life. So words have always been the core of, around our family, whether it's my dad with, with his messages, his, his ministry, how he uh, would communicate to the congregation with his messages on Sunday. I would just have the opportunity to see how his inflections, uh, his language, his, his style, uh, just how he was able to captivate and, and share a story, a message in a way from you, you start with the open and then you bring it all together. You have a strong middle body, then you tie it all up and, and bring it all together uh, with that final word. So he was working on messages. I didn't know that down the line, those same types of lessons from having that experience watching him would I would be able to bring those into play as I'm working on producing 30 second spots. Uh, there's got to be a strong 
opening message. There's got to be a strong body and there's got to be a, a strong call to action at the end or something that moves people. Yeah. So, so yeah, so from having a mom who was an English teacher to having a dad who was a, a minister, you know, words were the center of, of what our life was like as kids. I have a uh, an older brother and a younger sister. Uh, uh, you've met my my younger sister. Yes. Uh, but to that extent, um, yeah, we just had such a great opportunity to learn from two amazing um, individuals in our mom and dad. And uh, and I just have taken those lessons. Uh, I'll just share with you as a as a as a uh, you know, when I was in grade school, much uh, like early grade school, sitting around the table for dinner at the end of the day was always a challenge because, uh, you know, you talk a, a different way when you're out on the streets with your with your buddies, you know, playing, playing and and hanging out uh, before you have to come in and, and grab dinner at night. Sure. Once we sat down for dinner. Um, and then I would talk about my day. Uh, boy, I was getting straightened out with my use of grammar uh, <laughs> up and down. So it was always to the point where I'm sitting down for dinner and, and my dad or mom might ask me a question and I have to think, OK, how do I conjugate this verb before <laughs> I respond <laughs> to this question? Make sure I'm on point. And I am so thankful, Alu, that I had that that they set that um, that principle that we needed to to communicate effectively uh, with uh, in a proper English um, in all of our correspondence, mm -hmm. uh, whether it is an informal conversation at the dinner table, because you know that that's the only way you're going to learn is if you. You get those reps in, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And, and that just was another lesson as far as me helping to to be a better writer, a better communicator uh, as I entered into my career. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you highlighted the importance of communication. I think it's absolutely critical. And so oftentimes when I get to, uh, share with young people, if they're still in middle school, I try to belabor the importance of enrolling in either speech or debate class. Mm -hmm. uh, so debate, I should say debate program and then drama. Because I think just the, the, the lessons and, and the basic foundation that that can build for you can serve you so well in the long run in terms of being able to communicate and as someone who's in the TV business, I'm sure you know that all too well. Absolutely, and 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 then on the 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 contrast to all of that is, I'm probably when it comes to personalities, I am a major introvert. I, I everyone thinks everyone who works in in television they must be this outgoing big personality and and. And, and really enjoy the spotlight and being out in front and that sort of thing. But I am more at home when I have a chance to be with my thoughts and be able to craft a message or come up with a concept for 
a campaign or for some type of content. Um, so those are things. Uh, so so I would just share with anyone considering a career in broadcast or any media, you don't have to be ex this this extroverted personality to be successful. Uh, just be your authentic self. That's a very important advice. Uh, I want to go back a little to the the, the Lufkin days. I rem you threw up the L sign. I'm not gonna mess it up. But I wanna. I'm curious. What was your experience like? Having been from Tucson, traveled all over the at least to a degree all over the country, and then you land in Lufkin. What was your high school experience like? And then take us through those years into your transition to college. Yeah, so you, for the most part, when my dad was moving around uh, as part of his ministry, we were in decent sized cities uh, for the most part. So when he was assigned to Lufkin, that was a huge culture shock for our family, for sure, coming from some of the cities that uh, he had pastored in previously. And for people who might not know, Lufkin is in deep East Texas. Yes, it's uh, up 59, head up 59 north, about two to two and a half hours. Uh, uh, so it's, yeah, not far from Houston, but but definitely a different style and a different pace for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that aspect of growing up in Lufkin, so I I arrived there, Lalu, when I uh, was in the sixth grade, and it was challenging to say the least for me. It was something that I just wasn't sure I was. This was going to work for me, and and my father knew it. I I think we all struggled with it uh, at the beginning. Uh, it was it was very challenging for all of us at the beginning. But I will tell you, as I look back on that experience, uh, so arriving there in sixth grade and then graduating high school uh, from Lufkin, uh, I wouldn't change a thing about that because uh, I met so many uh, great friends, friends that I still have to this day. Uh, it was a pace and that I really worked for me. Uh, at the time, and it allowed me to to kind of grow. I had great instructors who helped me to continue to develop and and uh, challenge me to to be my best. So all in all, it may have started out as something uh, that I wasn't, or uh, many of us in the family were a little um, challenged that this was our new uh, uh, home, that it wound up being one of the, uh, the best experiences uh, uh, that we could have asked for. So, so you just never know where your journey will take you. It may not seem like the right journey uh, at the time, but it, it worked out um, uh, tremendously for all of us and, and very grateful for that. Yeah, so wonderful jams from tiny towns. I yes. think I, I might have to copyright that one. Um, so <laughs> you matriculate to U of H. Um, had you decided once you were going to college what you wanted to be, 
if so, or if not, how did you reach the decision about what you wanted to pursue as a career? And what was your collegiate experience like uh, in pursuit of that of that goal? Absolutely. Well, let me start with taking it back to high school, because at Lufkin High, they had a television program, a television lab, basically, is what it was called, where they would actually have the opportunity for the students to have a broadcast channel, a broadcast outlet. Um, so that program was available. I didn't sign up for it initially, just thinking I wouldn't get into it. Mm -hmm. As the, uh, the year started, uh, I was sitting out front of the house uh, at our parsonage at the time in Lufkin. And I, I know it, I can vividly see what I was doing. I was juggling my soccer ball because I was on the soccer team uh, at, at Lufkin High. And my dad came up to me and asked me kind of how the start of school was going. And I shared with him, fine. And then he asked, um, I mentioned this about the television lab that I, I wish I had signed up for. And he said, so so why didn't you? And, and then he said, uh, ah, because it's too late now. They've already assigned, you know, the students for the class. It's too late for me. So. So my dad being my dad, um, he went up to Lufkin High School the next day and got me signed up for, uh, for that program. Uh, so that was, that was not um, going to, uh, if he knew, he knew I had an interest in understanding uh, the world of broadcast and that being an opportunity for me to, to get a better knowledge base of it. Um, not making that deadline wasn't going to keep me from taking advantage of that opportunity. And more so that was me probably second guessing myself about not signing up. So I, I am so grateful to him that he, he challenged me to, to, to take that on and, and uh, probably wouldn't be in, in the career field I am today if, if he didn't take that interest and, in, and what I was doing and, and what, um, what I was studying. So, uh, so I, I'm just forever grateful for that. So let's go to U of H. So after graduating from uh, Lufkin, Lufkin High School, I, I initially started my first year at University of Texas at Arlington. So I did one year at, at UT and uh, then my dad, uh, wound up um, getting assigned to a church here in Houston, uh, Metropolitan CME Church. Uh, so as I was looking for ways to help us save money, because there's three of us as far as kids. Um, so I have a, a younger sister who's three years younger than me, uh, Nicole, Tony, whatever. <laughs> she, I call her Tony. I know or other friends call her Nicole, and then I have an older brother, Dwayne. So you think about it, our parents, um, you know, had the challenge of three kids at one point in time were all in college at the same time. So my brother uh, is graduated from Stephen F. Austin. My sister graduated uh, from Rice, and I, and I went to U of H. So so I just thought from that standpoint, it would make sense for me to 
not incur those expenses of, of living off campus. So I decided to, uh, to move back home uh, with him uh, to go to University of Houston. And once again, that was a decision I made. I was kind of making it for economic uh, reasons for the, for the family. But in the end, it, I couldn't have asked for a better experience as far as uh, going to a great university with great support, great instructors. Um, so, so it may not have been my uh, the most my my most popular decision, or would have been the decision I would have made if if I had all the money in the world and and all the resources in the world for our family. But I'm so glad. I did, and I am a happy, happy cougar uh, <laughs> alum, uh, and so proud of our school and our university. So, uh, and it set me up for uh, for the career that I am. I learned so much from from so many great instructors uh, there at the University of Houston. Yeah, and U of H is indeed a, a wonderful university. It became Tier One uni- a research institution a few years back. Uh, so you graduate from U of H with honors. You, you land your first job. Walk yeah. us through that, the first job, and then how your career started to um, go along and, and improve from there. Yeah. So, yeah, really, I, the, I, I signed up for an internship at KTXH uh, Channel 20 while I was still at the University of Houston. So it was my senior year. So I, uh, I received this internship opportunity in their programming department at the time. And after graduating from University of Houston, I just wouldn't leave uh, <laughs> Channel 20. They basically, I was like, you guys find a, find a position for me. Uh, and, and they did. You know, I I showed them my work ethic, my uh, you know my knowledge, uh, my skills, and they found a, an opportunity for me. Um, I had a wonderful uh, mentor uh, with Kim King. Uh, I don't know if you know Kim. She she's uh, uh, worked in the industry, has worked at Goodwill as well as well as work. Uh, uh, with the city of Houston. Uh, so she was another tremendous mentor. Uh, so I, my first position, um, after graduating was I was a community marketing producer working part-time, uh, helping to produce, uh, kids vignettes called, um, I think they were McDonald's, uh, it was a McDonald's sponsorship of a of a kid's uh, vignette that would air in commercial time on Channel 20. So these kids would come in, uh, read messages uh, that they had written, and I would produce them. So I got to work with with kid talent. So that, that is never easy. So that was a baptism under fire to be able to... Um, to kind of cut my teeth and learn uh, aspects of production, working with 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 uh, elementary students. So, mm-hmm. so that was my first position. Then I had the opportunity uh, 
at the time, KTXH also had the contract for the Rockets and the Astros games. Uh, so this is many moons ago. I remember uh, those days. You, yeah, I was going to say this before your time, but <laughs> maybe you looked in the history books. <laughs> uh, but so part of that contract, they had to produce for the Rockets a kids show. And I was assigned to produce um, this this program and, and we uh, called it Rockets Kids Jam. So I'm a couple of years out of out of school at this point and I'm producing a a half hour television program on a top, you know, basically a top 10 market. Uh, at the time, uh, Houston may have been right outside of of the top 10 market, but still in, in a in a one of the top markets in the country, I'm producing in my early 20s uh, a program that's going on the air every week. So, I mean, I just I mean, I was just beyond myself of like, how is this occurring? Um, so I I had four teenage talent that um, I auditioned had a, a mass call for uh, talent to come out to to be a part of this program. And we selected uh, four very talented uh, young young men and women to be the host of this show. And we went to various uh, locations a, across the, uh, the city, whether it be uh, Astroworld at the time, uh, the zoo and and would just shoot uh, different uh, uh, segments out there, and then I would interview as part of the program uh, for Rockets players at the time, like Scott Brooks, uh, uh, Sam Cassell, and 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 others like that would come into the studio, and our team talent would would interview these these uh, these uh, Rockets players. So. So yeah, to, to do something like that, Lalu, um, so early in my career and have the opportunity to learn and make mistakes and, and learn from those mistakes, I was, uh, yeah, more than fortunate to say the least. So I really, from after graduating, I was really, my career was ramping up um, uh, exponentially uh, beyond my wildest dreams at the time. I'm going to presume part of how you earned that internship was you were a good student. I mean, you did graduate with with honors. But on top of that, you also demonstrated work ethic and, might I say, initiative, because yes. you were in a spot where they didn't have something for you. But your willingness to sort of be determined and say, hey, you guys need to find me something. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the, the testimonial to how your career evolved. So you're in your early 20s. You, you've now produced your, your, you know, your first show that's in a, let's just call it top 10 market. I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a bit biased towards Houston. So I'll say we were top mm -hmm. 10 market then. You're producing this. You've got your, 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 you found your foot in. What happens next? What brings about that next um transition and what made it the decision that you chose to pursue? Sure. 
So I so at this point I've been at uh, KTXH probably um, uh, right after graduation three to four years, and as I looked at my career and and looked at opportunities, um, I learned of this opportunity from a, a dear friend of mine uh, named uh, uh, Kim Edwards Ryan about an opportunity at the CBS. Uh, owned and operated station in Miami, uh, WCIX uh, TV, that they had an opening for a uh, uh, for a promotion producer. And with that, uh, they actually were recruiting a minority producer. That sounds kind of odd today because you don't see many of those programs. Um, and hopefully we will start seeing more of those programs uh, becoming available uh, because I'm a testament that they work. So I um, had the opportunity to, to in interview at the Doral Club with the uh, executives uh, in the marketing department uh, at WCIX and, and I, was, I was hired. Um, as part of this program, it was uh, really a, a training program. Um, so I, it was my first experience, Lalu, working at a television station with a news department because mm -hmm. KTXH didn't have a news department. So wow. I felt as part of my growth and my development, I needed to then move to a a station that had. Uh, this had a news organization as well. So that was kind of the the impetus that I needed to to kind of expand my horizons. Mm -hmm. And um, so this was, um, oh gosh, I would say uh, 94 is when I uh, uh, moved to Miami and that was a, another culture shock after okay. you know, spending the majority of my life in Texas. Uh, you know, my formative years in Texas and and Miami is a very uh, hustle bustle and just some of the strangest news stories um, that you can imagine. And just some were coming out of Miami. It was a smaller market than Houston, but that market played so much larger than um, than it the actual uh, market size as far as Nielsen rankings are concerned. Certainly, certainly. I, mean, I was, yeah, was going to say Miami certainly is not an introvert's paradise. No, <laughs> not, not at all. I mean, that I definitely you had you better get some thick skin real quick working there. So, I yeah, it was uh, uh, because it was new to me. I had always excelled at, at things early. This was really one of the first times where I struggled. I struggled mightily when I first got there because I didn't understand the ins and outs of, of writing um, promotional copy uh, to promote newscasts to, uh, it, was, it was just a, the learning curve was, was steep for me. And how did you overcome that struggle? You know, it was just, it had its pain points. It's just like, I guess, with, with exercise and other things, you know, 
you got to stick with it and get the reps in. I had to keep working on copy every day, get it rejected, um, go back, write more copy, get it rejected. Uh, and then, and then, you know, until a point where, okay, I get, um, kind of the, the nuances that I need to have with my writing, uh, to make it, uh, acceptable for broadcast for for being able to put on air and that's just you can't you have to get in the reps you have to put in the time um and and i just had to um I, so it was just for me personally i just didn't like struggling it was just something i just wasn't accustomed to and that, i don't want that to sound arrogant in any way but it was just it was just kind of a new experience to to you just now if you put your mind to it and you you work as hard as you can you should be able to be here now but now didn't happen as quickly as i wanted it to sure sure and i think it's it's important because oftentimes people hear the stories of accomplishment but far too often we seem to omit the trials you know, the challenging times, the rough patches along that up and down journey. So, so thanks for sharing that. And I think I, I have this belief that you learn more through your struggles than through your successes. At least it's been a story of my life. Amen to that. Amen. No, I mean, yeah, I had self-doubt. I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. So as we, as you think about maybe, I, you know, there was a time when I was at U of H that I had um, just a, a wonderful um, counselor who wanted me to um, look at potentially of, of uh, becoming uh, a professor at U of H. So getting my master's and PhD and coming back to U of H and teaching um, because there weren't a lot of African-American instructors in uh, in the communications department. And she saw that in me. And I, I, I wish I could think of her name right now, but she was she was just such a wonderful advocate uh, for me. Um, but and so I was starting to think about maybe I should um, revisit that and 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 go uh look at going into the academia world uh, yeah uh, but i just my dad always said don't quitting is just never an option in our household so so that was so i had those i'm just being honest had those self-doubts but i just but i just had to stick with it until until i um i was able to get it yeah. Yeah. It's all part of the process. And I'll let you know, it's not too late. We both could go get back enrolled yeah. uh, for our graduate degree. So you, you keep you that in know. mind. You never uh, know what you might want to do long term. So now you've gone from Houston, you're Miami, you've had this experience, you've overcome some challenges. What leads you all the way across the country? I mean, that's like the furthest distance from one end of the nation to the other that you can travel. Yeah, man. What inspired that? I mean, that's a, I mean, even by plane, it's 
five hours. So oh, yeah, 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 five plus hours. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I promised myself I was going to, as challenging as Miami was, I was giving myself two years there. I was not going to abandon ship after you know, year one, just because things were going tough. Uh, so, so year, year, year two, I mean, I really started to get my groove. I started getting assigned projects that, um, they, that started to allow me to, to build a resume reel and show my talents and, 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 and really help me hone my skill based on the team that was around me. And, and the managers that were around me that helped to continue to lift me up, um, even with the challenges. So they that tough love paid off for me. Um, so so really, I was ready to make a move and just continue um, after that. After doing two years in in Miami, I just okay. I said I'm ready now to continue to expand my horizons because I was always the junior producer in Miami and I wanted to look at an opportunity to become more of a, you know, more of a, a, a season, more of a higher, higher up on the uh, totem pole as far as in the producing ranks at a department and, um, and Seattle, I actually went to Seattle for uh, a final four. I think it was uh, 96 or uh, 97. And I fell in love with the city when I visited. And as I made the decision that I was going to start sending out my resume reel, um, I sent my reel to two stations in Seattle uh, and I sent uh, one to a station in San Diego as well. And the station in uh, Seattle, uh, Cairo, uh, called me first. And I uh, flew up for, for an interview and uh, loved uh, everything about the station, about uh, everyone I met there. And before I know it, I was, I was on my way uh, to starting a starting a new journey in 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 seattle washington okay. and how long were you in seattle and what led to your return back to houston yeah i was really only in seattle right about a year was, uh, and i and as i think about it you know you're i thought at the time i'm seattle is where i'm going to spend the rest of my days i loved it there so much it, it was just such a different perspective than growing up in the South most of my life. And I just kind of like that West Coast vibe and, and all of that about it. Um, but our, our station ownership at the time, uh, BLO, um, actually, uh, as part of a bigger acquisition, had to sell that station, uh, Cairo. So it was new ownership coming on board. And I really enjoyed working with Belo, uh, but I couldn't move to the Belo station in Seattle uh, just because of certain restrictions they put on as part of the the sale of the station that sure. uh, 
they couldn't have this mass mass exodus of all of their their uh, uh, the talent they wanted to keep. Uh, so I was able to kind of slip out in the darkness of night <laughs> uh, to stay with Belo by going to uh, back home to KHOU. So so my my tenure at Cairo and my my time in Seattle was cut short, but I was able to stay with the company that I enjoyed working for and and that uh, really uh, made me feel um, like I was um, an important part of their team. So so it was really and I, there were tears shed as I was on that flight leaving Seattle. I'll just be honest because it was just like not I just felt like my time there I was I still had more time there I was really enjoying it uh, but it was you know things happen for a reason and um, and I uh, once again am glad they did when they did because uh, that set me up for for the additional success success that was coming my way by making that move uh, back to Houston and and then working for KHOU, the Below station at the time. Yeah. And, and so what role did you assume when you returned back to Houston and what happened subsequently in your career? Yeah, so uh, when I uh, came back to Houston, I was more of like a, a senior promotion producer role uh, at- So at you were now the guy, no longer junior. We had a very strong producing uh, team at KHOU. Uh, but I was definitely not a junior member by any stretch. Uh, yeah. So, so I was there. This, so this would have been, uh, gosh, '97, um, and was there from '97 to '98 um, when my uh, boss at the time, who brought me from Seattle to Houston, when he took the the gig in Houston as the creative services director. Um, really uh, was a, a great mentor for me and and kind of pushed me that it was time for me to move and, and run my own shop. Um, so I appreciated that he was, uh, you know, not just saying, hey, uh, we love having you here, but he wanted me to continue to to uh, further my career and move move on and move up. So, so the opportunity came up after I'd been at, um, at KHOU probably for less than a year at this point mm -hmm. uh, to uh, interview for the creative services director position in, in uh, San Antonio at, uh, at Ken's TV. Okay. So, so uh, flew up uh, for that interview, um, had a great uh, meeting uh, with the general manager, uh, Bob McGann, uh, really uh, connected with him and, um, and he took a chance on me. You know, I was still relatively young and uh, he was really building a new management team there and uh, he wanted me to be a part of that. So. Um, yeah, so once again, I was blessed with um, uh, individuals who believed in me uh, and saw my potential, and and that uh, uh, led me to 
moving to um, San Antonio right a year after getting back to Houston and and, and to top it off just a few months after getting married. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so I, I got married in, in 98 um, um, uh, with a stepdaughter who was like seven or eight at the time, Dominique. So I have this new family and then I'm telling him, hey, you know, we're about to move <laughs> move to San Antonio. Yeah. So that was uh so that was a a a a big uh jump and, and leap uh early in our marriage. Uh but um but everyone was uh, supportive of of what uh the opportunity uh provided and, and we moved to San Antonio and had a great uh, two years and and doing some great work in in San Antonio and building a new brand uh, as a creative services director for the uh, uh, Kens TV. So it was yeah, it was and San Antonio is a a, a great city as well. Uh, and so yeah, I've worked in some some awesome markets. So been fortunate in that respect. You have so you finally returned back to Houston. Mm-hmm. What was that role that you took? And then since that time, obviously you've grown in your career and can you, you know, share what the different roles are that landed you to where you are now and how unique uh, is the space you occupy in your industries, particularly for African-Americans? Yes. Yeah, so, so after two years in San Antonio, I had the opportunity to uh, come back to to Houston, to KHOU as the director of creative services, which was the job that my uh, boss had, who who had hired me out of, who had hired me in Seattle and hired me in Houston. Uh, he moved on to become a general manager himself. Uh, so uh, so left the station. So. I was replacing him in in the role, so he was such a great mentor for me. So, so it was uh, just a wonderful opportunity that I had an opportunity um, to uh, to fill his shoes as CSD, big shoes to fill for sure, um, as the creative services director at KHOU. So, um, so that was. You know, it was it was challenging in some sense. Uh, Lalu, you would say, well, he worked there, so so he at least he knew the station to a certain degree. Even though I was there just a short period of time before I I, I uh, left um, after that first tour duty. Sure, you were coming back in a different role because you were a. Um, a staff member, you are a producer staff member. Now you're coming back as the boss. Mm. So, so, and some of the same um, individuals that you appears with now you're coming in as their supervisor. So, so there, there's some challenges with, with that. Uh, just, that's just, you know, human nature that there's some dynamics involved with that. So you had to kind of, uh, manage some aspects of uh navigate some of that but yeah all in all you know we we um 
made it through those challenges and and focused on just doing great work and and continuing to lift up the uh, the KHOU 11 brand uh, with great creative that we produce uh, with our promotional spots and campaigns. Uh, the um, KHOU has always had a legacy of doing great uh, creative, uh, just some of the best in the market. And I just wanted to continue making sure that we continued that legacy. Yeah. Here's the deal, and, and this is something I would share with anyone in this industry or any industry. I come to it with a different perspective. I come to it as, a, as an African-American male who uh, has a, you know, grew up in the church uh, with, a, with parents, uh, with a dad who was a, a minister and a bishop, uh, who grew up in a, for the most part, in a small East Texas town. So my perspective is going to be different than other people who held the job prior to me. Uh, and I was, I wasn't going to try to mimic how they produce content and how they uh, were the keepers of that KHOU brand because I brought to it a whole different perspective. So with that, you know, in the years we we we've done spoken word poetry campaigns. Uh, uh, we've hired different uh, artists of of color to uh, to work on a variety of, of projects. Uh, uh, worked with uh, with musicians and bands, uh, a very diverse group. So I am unapologetic about. Uh, I had this opportunity to to provide a more diverse and inclusive look at Houston based on my perspective. So shame on me if being in that position if I don't do that. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned a couple of mentors along the way, uh, Kim King being one and another gentleman. How did you uh, secure people as mentors and what are your overall thoughts about, you know, being a mentee and the importance of mentorship? I would say first, as I, if I'm talking to any young man and, uh, or woman, um, be strategic about, uh, about your circle uh, as far as mentors that you're looking for. Think about your career, what your, you want your career to be, let's say, three years down the line, five years down the line, 10 years down the line. Who are those people that need to be in your circle that can help you achieve the goals that you have set for yourself? Um, and so it's not about just people that you know already. You have to actively and sometimes uncomfortably. I mean, networking for me was not easy because I, I'm just from my nature, I, I'm I'm not actively <laughs> going to go out and, you know, kind of uh, campaign for for mentors. But I understood that if uh, from a development standpoint, I needed to do that in certain aspects to help me 
develop in areas that I needed to to hone my skills on or to continue my professional growth in certain areas. Uh, so I would share with any young person, be know what have a have a goal of what it is that you want to achieve and then identify people you may not have you may have never met these people research them find out who they are um if someone in your current circle may know of these individuals to help you make that connection you utilize that um but yeah don't be comfort comfortable just with the circle you currently have be actively pursuing people that can help you further your career um, uh, in, in various aspects, whether it's helping you understand finance, whether that's helping you uh, understand networking, uh, what, whatever the case may be. What are those areas that you need to know? Uh, are those people you need to know and identify them and then actively communicate to them that you want don't expect them to know um, this is what you're asking for uh, be very upfront tell them i would like for you to help me further my career um, and, and and spell it out exactly what it is that you want them to do I am more appreciative as I serve as a mentor for, for, for younger people. If they come to me with a clear definition and a clear understanding of what it is that they are looking to achieve and how I can help facilitate that, as opposed to coming to me, you know, I'm just looking to, to be on TV. Can you, can you help me be on TV and uh, be famous or something to that effect? Uh, yeah. Um, so having a clear vision of, of exactly what it is you want of me as a mentor or any mentor. Uh, and then I want, also want to see that, that you're putting in the work because I'm not your fixer. Um, I'm your facilitator. Mm. So I, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, be the person that is going to, fix every little stumbling block that comes in your way. I'd be happy to help you navigate it, uh, but I, I can't. I mean, that's part of your growth. You're going to have to be able to navigate the uh, the roadblocks that come in your way. Uh, uh, and I, you know, you can use me as a sounding board and 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 learn from my experiences and other people in your in your circle as mentors from their experiences. Uh, but if you're just looking for someone to lay it out for you and, and get and spoon feed to you every step you need to take, uh, I'm not the guy because I don't think that's going to serve you in, well in the long run. Very well stated. You mentioned sounding boards uh, and I want to come back to, to wrap up with a few questions about your thoughts about the industry going forward. But who are your sounding boards at this stage in your career and how unique, and I, I, I don't know much about the TV production business, but how common is it that you have an African-American director of local programming in a top 10 market in your industry? But first, who are some of your sounding boards? You know, 
first and foremost, uh, my dad was my biggest sounding board because anytime I thought some situation or some circumstance was insurmountable, he always had a way of, of putting that into proper perspective for me, Lalu, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to kill you. This is, this is, you know, this may seem painful at the time and challenging at the time, but in the grand scheme of things, this is just, it's just a little detour that you have to, uh, that you have to navigate. Uh, so, so, um, you know, losing my father, um, uh, when I did, um, a, a few years ago was a big void for me as far as far as that that sounding board I could always turn to uh, for for advice. Like he didn't know the the broadcast industry, the ins and outs of the broadcast industry, but I didn't need that per se. I just needed someone to help me put things in perspective and and help me kind of look at it without being so drilled down to the minutiae of the problem yeah. sometimes, yeah. but just kind of take a step back and, and look at it for what it was, that it wasn't in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, it wasn't a life and death situation for the most part. So I would say for the, now my, my mentors and my sounding boards, uh, I have a number that I reach out to and, and a lot of peers like yourself that I, I just love fellowshipping with and, and uh, just sharing our experiences as, as, uh, as African-American men and, and how we navigate uh, the challenges uh, that we face in, in our various industries. Uh, so, so it's, it's that peer to peer, um, sounding board, because sure. even though we're in different industries, there are some common denominators for sure that, that we all face. Definitely. Definitely. You, and then I was asking about just being the director of local programming. I, what, 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 what does that job entail and how unique is it or common that you find African-American males in that kind of position in the top? 20 market, so to speak. Yeah, I wish I could say it was, it was very, um, that there were a number of us uh, that, that hold this position of uh, director of local programming and community marketing, uh, but there aren't that many uh, people of color uh, in, in this role. And, you know, and our industry can definitely do a much better job across the board with with executives in in all departments uh, so there's there is a lot of work that needs to be done to continue to make sure uh executives and and broadcast mirror their marketplace no question about it what are your thoughts around the future of your industry so uh for example you know, this interview that we're having, we're in the midst of a global pandemic and I've become, you know, I've turned my home office into a mini broadcast studio without the sound elements and effects, but your industry is shifting. You have reporters who are out, 
on their cell phone. I, I remember during Hurricane Harvey, some reports were out there with their own cell phone cameras to capture live on the spot uh, action. So the industry is going through a significant shift. What, do you, what, what are your general thoughts about where the TV and broadcast industry uh, is headed and, and, and what lies ahead, even for yourself? Yeah, so from the standpoint of, of this event with the, uh, the, the pandemic, the, this current COVID-19 health crisis, there is no going back to normal for, for this industry. I mean, what, what has occurred since mid-March has reset what will be our industry moving forward. Um, so, so if, if anyone thinks, okay, once, you know, there's a, you know, a, a, a vaccine for COVID-19, let's say we have that we're just going to, you know, go back to pre-March, uh, as an industry, they're kidding themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so what that looks like as a whole is still to be determined, but yeah, these live streams, the aspect of everybody going back to a one location as far as a a building at a at a station uh, going in each and every day is that necessary moving forward? Um, I would say not because we've shown that that we can do this without that being kind of the uh, our our setup on a daily basis for an operation. So. So there's so many uh, changes, uh, and some um, and and many of them, I would say, for the better, uh, that are occurring because of uh, we were forced to. Um, this was a disruptor that is forcing us to make change much faster than we probably would have, um, uh, if not given the current circumstances. Yeah. So, uh, final question: What's next on the horizon for you? Uh, and any closing remarks you might want to offer? Next on the horizon, I would say I love what I do right now, Lalu. I love it to death. Every day I get up, I have the opportunity to not only create content, uh, but I, I have the opportunity to, to be an ambassador for uh for the community, helping to provide resources, helping to provide a voice for, for those who don't have a voice in certain circumstances. So I wake up understanding that I have, I've, I've been blessed to have a responsibility and, and I have a platform to, to provide so much change, uh, positive change in our community. And I take that so seriously and, and just want to continue to use uh, the resources and my voice and my experiences to, to make sure uh, that I am, I am a leader for change and a leader for making this community a better place, whether it be with the content that we produce, um, uh, or whether it be for the nonprofits or other organizations that we support, whether it's supporting uh, uh, 
vendors of of color. Um, so as a as an executive, making sure that we are are supporting. Um, uh, different uh, businesses, uh, different small businesses of color, um, and as I said, I'm I'm, una I'm unapologetic about that because um, it's been balanced so balanced uh, in the wrong way for so long. My little aspect of of, of making sure that I'm always looking to find uh, uh, vendors and 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 businesses of color is, is just a small percentage of, of helping to help balance that, um, those inequalities out. Um, but yeah, so as far as what my career looks like, if I am blessed to have another 20 years uh, doing what I'm doing right now, I would call myself uh, uh, just I would have lived my dreams at Dens of as I look back as a shy kid growing up in East Texas, I never imagined I would have the opportunity uh, to do all of the the neat things that I've done thus far and had some of the most rewarding experiences that I've had thus far. Um, but I just know the next year, the next coming years, uh, I'm just looking forward to the challenge. Uh, maybe one day that might mean at a, at a larger level at a, uh, in an organization. Uh, and if that, uh, becomes an opportunity that makes sense for me and for my family, um, the, I would definitely, uh, consider that, but I love this city and I love being able to, uh, to help make this city better. So just want to continue to do my best um, uh, in that position each and every day, my man. Words matter. And when trying to hone in your skill, try, try, and try again until you've perfected it and bring your own unique perspective. My guest today has been Dale Lockett, Director of Local Programming and Community Marketing for KHOU-TV. You've been, my name is Lalu Davies Yamaton, and you've been listening to my brother podcast. Going